yeah, how's, how's it going, Chad? What's up with you? Doing good. Uh, yeah, excited to go through these updates. A lot of stuff kind of happening and a lot more coming. So, yeah. Yeah, I mean, first thing is Adam. So Adam was supposed to be released on Tuesday, and it, and it was like on time, but there was a small issue with, uh, you know, there, there's just basically a small bug where transactions wouldn't be processed correctly because, uh, you know, it, it didn't recognize mainnet. It, you know, it, it thought that uh, it could only work on, on testnet and stagenet, so that, that like it was a bug that couldn't be found on mainnet. So uh, Adam Trading was paused, and it, there's a fix coming out in uh, the next version of Thornode, which is 1.93. So that should be out uh, later this week or uh, early next week. It, it's the next update. So after this, after all the nodes adopt the next update, then we should see uh, you know trading live for Adam and also uh, LP action. So you'll be able to add liquidity. And get in there. Hey, what's up, Chad? Yo, what's up, guys? Hey, what's up? What's up? I was just giving an update on Adam starting out there. Uh, so that should be live next week for you know liquidity ads and swaps, and then we can finally um, you know start start this multi-chain journey in the uh, in the Cosmos ecosystem, and that'll that'll be really cool. I saw your your guys' interview with uh, CryptoCedo the other day. Uh, Chad Barford and Mogarkey were up on his youtube channel that that was a that was a really good interview actually I, I enjoyed that one a lot yeah it was a lot of fun it was fun to kind of engage with more of the cosmos community right because i feel like we don't talk to them as much as we probably should but um it was good to get some get some uh, time with them same yeah i really enjoyed listening to that uh kind of liked you getting into the weeds with ibc and all of that and just like really making that stuff clear to the cosmos ecosystem because it does feel like sometimes uh there's like just misunderstandings of thorchain and how it kind of plays in so we definitely need to get the word out to the Cosmonauts. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. There's actually a, a Cosmos uh, conference in Colombia, South America, in September, I think. So uh, if anyone's interested in that one, that, that seems like a very interesting opportunity for uh, you know Cosmos builders to get together. So maybe uh, Colombia in September? Maybe. I'll uh, check in with some things first and see if I, see if I got the time. So maybe on the Atom launch, can we um, walk through just like the process a bit? Because I, I know in like past chains, we've kind of had like uh, the treasury seeding the pools and, and things like that to, to to kick it off. So, you know, like how does that, how, how does that like step-by-step going to play out now that it's mainnet? Yeah, I think like having a slight difference in the, the process of that uh, will likely change. I think... Historically speaking, um, you know, the core team basically like use Mimir admin to kind of like facilitate the adding of a new chain and then use the treasury to kind of like kickstart the chain so that we have some decent liquidity on day one. Um, but obviously, as we go to more towards mainnet and we get more towards decentralization, we want to be, we don't want, you know, the core team to be part of that process, like, and the, you know, hands on as, as much we want to be kind of done by the community in general. So I think um, at least my thinking going forward on these things is that like when we want to add a new chain, let's just call like, you know, uh, AVAX, for example, uh, there'll be a a symbolic vote on chain from the nodes, you know, saying, okay, let's, let's add AVAX, you know, yay or nay. And then once a two thirds majority is reached, uh, let's just say that it was adopted. Like, you know, we want to add AVAX, then the chain client, um, and the infrastructure to run an, an AVAX full node would like all land on chain at the same time. And like all the validators would just start 
you know, spinning, uh, spinning up their Apex node and syncing up to the tip and, and making like observations about the um, the network fee, like how much it costs to transact on 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 Apex, and then once a two thirds majority of validators reach a consensus on the network fee, that's just a, a way of signaling to the to the network saying, okay, we're now ready. Like, you know. We are observing. We have a consensus on this chain. We're now ready to, to start like taking in transactions, blah blah blah, swaps, add liquidities, whatever. And then the network will just add, um, just like dynamically add. Um, usually, we wait for a churn to do this, but you don't have to do that. And so we just dynamically just add AVAX to the to like the list of chains that are supported, which is actually slightly better to do it um, not associated with the churn because when a churn happens. There's like a there's a, the actual churn itself of like moving all the funds, and so you're signing all these transactions to move all the funds from the old Asgard vaults to the new Asgard vaults, and at the same time you're getting like a huge you know YOLO of swaps and trades and added liquidities and withdrawals and whatever else is happening like all at the same time, which kind of puts kind of like two things happening at the same time, which kind of overloads not overloads but just puts additional pressure on on like at, on the TSS signing. So in, instead, like we'll just have a symbolic vote. Uh, the community will kind of vote on that uh, when they, you know, come to an agreement. We'll just launch the code base uh, changes. Everybody will just pull them down and, and run them. And then you know, once the networks kind of spin up their AVAX node and get a consensus on what's happening in terms of the fee, the network will just turn in a, uh, AVAX and then we'll start trading. And so anybody can create the initial pool. Anybody can add liquidity or swaps or whatever. It, I'm not sure if it'll be the actual. Um, Treasury doing that in the future or not, or at least it won't be the one that's kicking off. Like Treasury can become an LP if they want to, of course, but like it won't be like the first necessarily the first transaction. Wouldn't you still need to wait for a churn to happen in order to create a vault for a new uh, chain or a new coin, though? No, you actually don't. So when you actually do, so when you do actually do a churn or or, or the key gen process, what's actually happening underneath the hood is that you have all these different validators coming together to generate a new pub key. Right. So if you think about it, like uh, this is like a little, little like quick lesson in, in cryptography, but like when you think about uh, uh, these kind of elliptical curve cryptography, which we all use in crypto, like you have at the very base layer, you have, um, you could, you could call it the, let's see here, you call it the, the seed phrase, right? That's like the very base layer. And then from the seed phrase, you can generate like a private key, right? And from the private key, you generate a pub key. And then from the pub key, you can generate uh, addresses, right? Like your OX address or uh, BC1 address or whatever. And so all the network is trying to do in a key gen is just to agree upon what the new pub key is, right? Everybody, everybody gets a part of the private key in a matter of speaking. And so once you have the pub key, you can generate the BC1 address from that pub key. It doesn't matter which chain we're talking about. We can generate an atom address. We can generate a um, Bitcoin address, a, you know, Tether, or like, it doesn't matter. Like, even chains that don't even exist yet, you can theoretically generate a private, uh, an address to send those funds to. So you don't actually don't necessarily need to do a, a churn. We just kind of did that. You, we were using the churn as kind of a mechanism to like to signify that this vault is now supporting this asset class or this asset. But from a technical technological perspective, that's not really necessarily needed. Yeah, great. So it sounds like a lot of this process can just kind of be automated with the, the regular flow of the network. I guess you just need some logic in there to uh, to make that happen. And you, you know, then, then it can start happening without uh, you know any kind of Mamir settings besides the original vote. 
Yeah, I think before we would use Vimeo settings to kind of like walk it up, walk it down that line in a sense. And I don't think it's really necessarily needed to do that going forward anymore. Uh, especially, it was nice at the beginning because you know it was the first change we we're adding. We wanted to be kind of more cautious about doing it, but I think we've done it a few times now. We're feeling more good and more more confident about the the process and how reliable it is. And so I think going forward, the network will just. You know, through a software update, it'll just take in the new changes. And then once the nodes are all start observing the chain, you know, Bob's your uncle. Go ahead. Cool. So we should see Adam live next week then. And that, that's very exciting. And we already talked about uh, that last week. So I don't think we need to go crazy into Adam. But it'll be great to finally get the uh, that, that community in with in with Thorchain, especially with all the aggregator stuff coming up. It's, uh, you know, everything just kind of comes together all, all at the same time and, you know, builds towards the same goal. So that'll be really cool. Also, I uh, Eridanus has told me that uh, the the swap in and swap out aggregator function for AVAX is coming along really nicely. So that that'll be ready to go for the release of Avalanche on uh, on Thorchain, and I believe that'll be rolling out to StageNet uh, in the next release. So we should be seeing AVAX on StageNet really, really soon, and that'll be shipped with the aggregator function to basically swap to any uh, C chain token in, in or out yeah that's gonna be like baller because now we're gonna have uh you can you know theoretically swap from you know some decks on avax to some decks on ethereum or anything in between like bdc and doge and whatever so like that's just like to me i'm super excited about this this is gonna, this is gonna be like a game changer this is like fulfilling kind of like the the like the holy grail of like of spot trading in crypto which is basically like you can go to a sim- single ui and have access to like everything <laughs> Like at all the assets and it becomes so clean, so simple, so easy to use all one transaction. You don't need to hold like multiple things, understand different bridges, blah, 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 whatever. Just like simple UI. You can get whatever you want at that time. I mean, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah. It really makes ThorChain exponentially more useful just to like the end user, because now instead of just like having to get into the, the L1 asset, using some other decks or doing whatever else like once dex aggregation is kind of played out then it's just anything to anything in whichever dex has actually integrated that and so much less jumping around and just that allows for so much more liquidity so much more swap volume to run through thorchain so huge yeah I, a great example of that right now is rango exchange rango exchange is absolutely killing it with the aggregator that they have uh, they have a lot of different chains implemented already. I, th- I think they're probably the most advanced in that respect. They, they have a bunch of different bridges integrated along with Thorchain. And uh, like they're not very well known, but those guys are absolutely killing it in the aggregator space in, uh, you know, especially utilizing Thorchain to make everything, uh, you know, as decentralized as possible, even though, you know, it's, it's still it's still using bridges and, and things like that. But you, you can hop across a lot of different ecosystems using Rango. And I just pinned up a tweet from Mogarki from uh, from ThorSwap about uh, the Dex aggregator coming up. So it's looking like this feature is like very close to, to actually seeing the light of day and, be, and being released, which is you know and that's what we're all here for. We're, we're waiting for this. Oh yeah, absolutely. Rango's killing. I think DeFi spots also killing too. Like they they just tweeted out about having like forty plus chains integrated like in their UI, which is pretty sick. Yeah, I think they were saying like by some time frame, but. That'll be cool to see. Uh, yeah, that that Mogarchy teaser is pretty cool. Seeing it like on ThorSwap, like using all the ERC twenties uh, through Uni Sushi Zero uh, X One Inch. So that that one's like really close. Like hopefully we see that live pretty soon. Yeah, I think like everything's working. I just I think they're just gonna flip this. All they gotta do is just flip the switch. You know, so yep. it's like 
super close. Yeah, it's just been it's just been UI work, uh, but it's been done for quite a bit. Um, so just just been fine tuning the UI. But yeah, based on that teaser, it looks like it's pretty much here. So hopefully we see that live really soon. Can you swap in and out with the, the aggregator implementation, or can you only swap out? Like, can you? Uh, yeah, that, that's the question. <laughs> yeah, both directions. Uh, now yeah, with the sweet. yeah, so to BDC from BDC, whatever. Like it all just works, which is just insane like and i'm super excited about like just getting more uh like force and, and DeFi spot and Rango, like they're all doing great great and they're killing it but i also would love to see just other dexes that are not necessarily specifically related to our ecosystem like some random decks on ethereum or some random decks on avax or whatever and just have them integrate too because then it becomes like the amount of trade volume that happens on the thor chain network just like grows in a significant amount just because you're channeling all the the, the the swap trade volume of some other decks and you're just integrating directly into ThorChain's liquidity pools, which is just going to generate huge volume and, and yield for, for the LPs and the nodes of the network, which is just like beyond sick. 100%. Yeah. Wallet integrations too. Like if you can just do those swaps directly through some, you know, like hypothetically trust wallet or ledger live, something like that would be super epic and drive so much volume. Here's the funny thing about Ledger Live. I'm gonna I'm gonna shit on Ledger Live just for a brief second, but I have mad respect for them, so don't take it too negative. But like they just made this like huge announcement. They're like super excited that they've integrated with FTX and that and you can just like trade on Ledger Live with FTX uh, without needing to like log in or whatever because it just like, you get the KYC your wallet address and like all that kind of stuff. And I'm just thinking to myself like, oh come on man, like you're you're like you're missing the boat. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? What are you doing? Really? <laughs> okay, sure. Yeah, it's like missing the point on some level. So I didn't look into that too, too deeply. So you're basically like using your ledger hardware wallet, but then you're trading through a centralized exchange on the back end. <laughs> like, yeah, see, so you can log into your FTX account on basically Ledger Live, and uh, you can it, it just routes it through your FTX account basically, so you can. Uh, you know, you have Bitcoin in your account. You, it basically sends it into the FTX address, makes the swap, and then sends it out to your ETH address or whatever it is you're swapping for. Yeah, yeah. I think <laughs> I don't. I might even even have to log in on your like your ledger. I think you can just like register your your BDC address or something like this, and then when you send in assets to FTX, it like it knows who you are because it's you know it's from your wallet address, which is associated with your with your account. So you don't. I don't think you have to actually log in with your like name and password. I think I, I could be wrong, but like. I just I found it a bit funny because they were it just seemed like they were excited about this whole new integration thing. I'm just like, okay, I mean that would have been great, you know, maybe three years ago, it probably would have been really interesting, but nope, <laughs> not anymore. Yeah, agreed. yeah. I mean, we're gonna get there one day with uh, with Thorchain for sure, because like, uh, especially as like more regulation moves into this space, and uh, it, it's so obvious that the that the use case for Thorchain fits right there into just native swaps from your ledger one address to another address. I mean, it's obvious to us. So it, it'll get there uh, eventually. It's the, it's the best solution out there uh, right now. But, you know, it's, it's companies like like Ledger, they're slow moving. And I, I'm sure I'm sure money talks when it comes to things like FTX integration. So, you know, what? I like my little wish list of like what I would love to see somebody build. Uh, and maybe Thorsoft is already working on this with their Pathfinder API that they're going to be working on. But like, when you're trying to swap between two assets on two different chains or within a chain or whatever, then like have an API where you can figure out different ways of getting there that are both shows that this like decentralized ways and the centralized ways of doing it. And then showing 
like the price differences between the centralized methodology and the decentralized methodology and like what is the actual like you know price i'm curious to know what the price difference is right like how it actually maps up because i think in the long term as store chains pools get like deeper and deeper and deeper there's no lower bound on how cheap a trade can get right like it's literally uh near zero and so like centralized exchanges cannot really compete with that like because they have overhead and they have like operations and they have lawyers and everything else they got to pay for and like so they can't actually do that and so like it's just a, to me it's like an inevitability although not so much in the short but like in the longer term like as store chain gets more and more adoption and more liquidity like the it would just become cheaper faster more convenient you know and respects your privacy uh over essential thing which is like more clicks more time Sign up, KYC, you know, like all this kind of crap. Hey, I brought Citizen up. If you have something to say, yeah, I'll do a quick uh, chat B on uh, Ledger Live, but this time uh, Travis on Thorchain. Uh, I love Thorchain, but I'll shit on it for a little bit. <laughs> so don't take it seriously. Um, you know, last time I uh, uh, so Chad announced like the Thorchain dot uh, com went alive, and I went on up there and I was getting excited, started playing with it, and then none of the links worked. And then this time, I go to uh, ThorSwap because I got excited that uh, Thorchain finally adopted or linked to Atom, but Atom swaps are not available still i just checked today so what's going on with that well if there's any broken links in the website like let us know tweet us out, tweet us or whatever you also want to get that fixed uh for the web for the as, as uh kyle was saying earlier uh that there was a bug discovered that wouldn't allow trades to go through just because of some bugs so a fix is coming out next in the next release, which is version 193, 1.93. Uh, so it should go live probably, you know, this weekend or, or next week. Thanks. Yeah, for and like and on the ThorSwap UI, like there's automatic banners when like a chain is paused, things like that. So you know, it's it, like yeah, it's not giving you all of the details that that Chad just did, but you know, it's it's showing you like hey, something's um, kind of not operational on the ThorChain side, and picking that up automatically and, and showing that it's paused. So. It's uh, it's not something like ThorSwap is like blocking you from doing. It's just that like it's not active on ThorChain right now, so just have to wait there. But yeah. Okay. Well, thanks for the uh, clarification. Um, I uh, when I know that like uh, I, I don't know the name behind ThorChain or ThorSwap Hoster, uh, but there's other chat. You guys are like one of the most friendliest, uh, most welcoming folks. So I uh, when the, when a lot of these. Um, application uh, inter- interfaces and UI UXs get worked out, I would definitely send my students and uh, my people uh, because I don't want to frustrate them because some clear buttons are not working, things like that. But on the side note, I just um, decided to roll up my sl- uh, sleeve and to contribute to Web3 uh, generally as a whole. Um, I'm nobody in Twitter space or, or Web3 yet, but uh, I am trying to uh, do everything I can, uh, put my time and energy that I have. I'm, I'm, I'm free 24-7 now. And so um, I'm trying to uh, contribute, contribute to it. Uh, I talked to Zaki, uh, and he has uh, decided to come on board in a, a one-to-one, uh, kind of like a Charlie Rose, uh, Alex Freeman. I'm, I'm, no, I'm no Charlie Rose, but uh, uh, in a very one-to-one focused conversation with the uh, founders and creators and community members and validators, all the folks that are involved. So uh, anybody here, uh, you know, uh, Chad B or Chad 
uh, other Chad or any uh, host that wants to come in and tell me uh, tell us their story as a person. Uh, human story, how they arrived on Web3. Uh, and I, I think this kind of format, uh, more so than a technical, uh, like insider or uh, uh, nuances, I think this would open up more uh, venues for uh, public to uh, uh, come in in a more uh, welcoming way because it will kind of reveal the personal side of the story of Chad B or Zaki or any of the founders in Web3 space um, on a one-to-one base. And so it'll be in Twitter space so that it's uh, you know easy for people to get access and do, but most likely uh, it's going to be more like a time capsule, a monologue, and a, a memoir of that individual that I invite. So please uh, come and join me and uh, let us have a one-on-one conversation for uh, um, crypto newbies to get to know uh, you guys individually. Well, so I, so for me, I wouldn't want to do it just because uh, I'm not trying to, to build my personal people to understand me as an individual. Like I don't, I talk publicly not to, so people can learn more about me and my history and who I am as an individual person. But more, I talk publicly just to kind of um, to explain, educate, promote, talk about what Thorchain is, its value of contribution to the world and why it's really important for people to be aware of it and utilize it and all these kind of things. So like for me, I wouldn't do it. Maybe Zach would be interested in that. But for me, it's it kind of it's not, not what I'm trying to accomplish in the space personally. Well, th- thanks for that clarification. But I do personally uh, uh, find you uh, quite a, uh, interesting. Uh, like when I see you playing pianos and I don't know, it's just the human side. And I, I think in some time, uh, especially in uh, crypto space, we get kind of a little bit too caught up in technology and money. And uh, a lot of people connect with others and bond. And like I personally, when I uh, discovered um, uh, Web3 in 2016, uh, it wasn't through technology. I'm an architect, you know, design engineer. I'm good enough with technology, but I'm not a computer scientist. And so there's no bridge there. But it was um, through discovering uh, Vitalik um, uh, as a person. And what this 19-year-old kid was up to, and I, it took, I was watching YouTube videos on, just on him uh, for three months to figure out what the, what the hell this blockchain technology was. I couldn't wrap my brains around it. And through that time of watching him, more than the technologies and uh, anything, it was really about that guy, about that kid that I connected with. And obviously, his ideas and visions that I resonated with. But I think it's important. So I think, uh, if not now, you know, I, I would I hope that you would consider that in the future. Thanks. No worries. Thanks for coming up. Sweet. Thanks, man. Um, yeah. Man, I, I thought of, I was thinking of something during the middle of that, but I, I kind of forgot what it was now. But yeah, thanks for coming up. And yeah, we, we enjoy doing these, uh, you know, weekly things and making them accessible to everybody to help people understand what, uh, you know, what DoorChain is, what um it is accomplishing in this space and kind of you know what the what the value is what the uh ideals behind it are so uh yeah we, we enjoy always doing these so yeah moving on uh also in the in the next update uh there's a new feature that'll let you lp with any asset so like if you want to join the bitcoin lp but you only have uh, you know, ETH or something like that. You can just supply the ETH. It'll basically do a swap on the back end and put it into the into the Bitcoin pool. So, uh, just another feature to make LPing more accessible. Oh, sorry. So, correction yep. there. That was the initial intent of it, and then after discussions with with um, 
team members like that the concern with that was because you're not supplying a trade like a swap limit you could like put an eth you don't have a swap limit so price gets shifted underneath your feet and then you get you start lping as what at a lower amount and so there was a a, a change made where like it, it it would allow you it's only going to work for um uh layer one bdc to like a synthetic and a synthetic to a layer one BDC, like a synthetic BDC to a layer one BDC. Uh, that was this, that initially was going to be more of a wide scoping change, but then like after discussions with like the team, other just it felt it was just safer for the community to to uh, just I'll only allow for layer one to, to send, send to layer one of the same asset because uh, we needed to do this. This is like a stepping stone to to be able to do single sided liquidity. Um, we needed this kind of capability so people can provide BDC. Gets swapped to synth. Synth gets locked up into a, a pool, aka a vault, and then earn that yield, and then extract from the synthetic back to BC one address without ever actually having a Thor address or rune or or any of these things. We wanted to make sure that you could do this without actually uh, leaving your Bitcoin wallets. Wait, so uh, I'm a little confused. So what what exactly is possible as of one dot nine three with with single sided? Like, is it well? This is a stepping stone towards single side exposure. Yeah. So the reason why the change was made was that we wanted so that in order to do single side liquid, like like yield bearing synthetics, and 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 you'll earn yield on just one asset, was you needed to like acquire synthetic, right? But in order to acquire synthetic, you need to have a Thor address, right? Which is like that creates a little bit of a barrier to entry for like Bitcoiners to be able to utilize this feature. And so initially, we just realized we needed a mechanism so that you could swap and add right in a single transaction, just like throw in one asset, swap it to the asset that you need, and then add liquidity to the pool, blah, 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 whatever. And then initially, we're going to do it in a way that like it would work for you know any asset to any asset, whatever. But then we just kind of changed it later on and said like, well, it's a little bit safer just to, to, to just do like uh, layer one to the layer one synthetic version of that back and forth. So the feature's not really... It doesn't allow you to really do anything differently than you can't do already in terms of that change. It's just laying down the framework or the foundation to, to make the next step uh, of, of single-sided like yield, which the next step is is being able to enter and exit the uh, pool, the, the vault with a synthetic. And then the next step of that one would be... Um, uh, the actual yield part of it and generating the actual yield part. So it's just being done in pieces rather than like one large, uh, like one large code change. Gotcha. So it's basically just like how you would mint a synth right now, except that you can do it without a Thor address. Yeah, basically, because right now if you would mint a synth now, you'd like you have some you need to have some Bitcoin, some like layer one BDC, and then you need to have a Thor address to send that 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 synthetic too. So you need to have both addresses in order for that to really work. But within the context of like a single asset LPing or with yield bearing synthetics, blah, 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 that we didn't want you to have have to have two wall addresses, a BC1 and a Thor1 address. We wanted you just to, just to, to reduce the actual like, uh, you know, obstacles to become an LP with on a single sided. We wanted to say like, okay, you just need to have just a BC1 address to get BC yield. And so like, and so instead of swapping that, that synthetic to your own personal Thor one address, it's effectively swapping it to a protocol owned, you know, module that's holding it on your behalf, you know, and effectively, and then whenever you're ready to withdraw, you just send a slight, like some BDC dust at the net, the network and say, Hey, withdraw, give me make my BDC. And then it'll just swap that synthetic back to BC one and send it to your BC one address. And so you can just maintain that, single address that you need to have and maintain. 
So would you be able to hold like different assets, like say synthetic ETH? Would you be able to hold that on your BC1 address? That, that's really interesting. Yeah, that's effectively what's happening there. Um, you won't be able to like transfer it to somebody like a, some other Thor address. Like, so if you if you basically acquire some synthetic via your BC1 address, and the network is kind of holding on your behalf because you don't have a Thor address, you can't later on say, "Oh, go ahead and take my my synthetic BDC and transfer it to you know Chad Thoreau at this other Thor one address." Blah blah blah. You wouldn't be able to do that. You'd have to you know extract the value back to your BC1 address and then swap it back to a synthetic to your own Thor address and then transfer it to him, which is uh, less than ideal. But like that's not the the purpose of this. Not to have like have a custodian. It's more of the idea that the network is just holding it on your behalf and, and to, to generate that yield for you and then giving it back to you whenever you you know whenever you want it. That's cool. Yeah, it seems like a actually a really important detail to like allow Thor chain to kind of disappear behind the scenes in, in making like the single sided yield just really accessible and all these various apps or integrations, because then yeah, people can just like show up with Bitcoin and earn yield. Like they don't need to be like, Oh, I need a rune address. I need to, you know, get another wallet or whatever. Um, so yeah. Yeah. Right. And that, that's the reason why you don't, like you don't need to buy rune to be able to swap from Bitcoin to ETH. Right. Like, that's done that it's designed that way just to create as minimal barriers to entry as possible to, to have this little excuses of, of why you're not swapping on Thorchain. Like, oh, I don't want to have to buy a room to order swap Bitcoin to ETH, right? Like, that's a kind of a, you know, we're trying to avoid that. And so, and same thing, conceptually, the same thing here is we're, we're just trying to make it as simple as possible to remove as many excuses or reasons why you wouldn't use it just to allow as many people to use it as possible. Yeah, that's really interesting. Really, really cool. I, I was thinking about that a couple of weeks ago, just like w- with um, with Thorchain being able to hold di- basically different assets with a address that's not of that chain. So, like, I mean, it, obviously, this isn't exactly that, but that that's a very interesting concept. And yeah, that leads right into single sided yield. So everyone's excited for that. Yeah, that, that actually like there was an idea a while back that we haven't gone too depths to, to explore, but like. Imagine a hypothetical scenario where you have some BDC and you want to become a staker in the, um, you know, Thor. Like you, you want to acquire some VThor because you think it's going to be, you know, cool and stuff. But you don't have an OS address and you don't have any Thor and, you, and, and like you don't really necessarily feel the need to actually acquire an OS address and do all that process. Like imagine a hypothetical scenario where you just send the network some, some BDC, the network, you know, swaps it to, you know, Thor and then stakes it for you on your behalf, you know, um, and then you have that yield coming in from the VThor, blah, 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 all that's happening. And then later on, when you want to like extract your value, you send another BC, uh, Bitcoin transaction with a little dust amounts. And then you just like, hey, give me back my value now. And then the network will like unstake the VThor, convert it into Thor, swap the Thor into BC and to BDC, and then send the BDC back to your BC1 address. And so you effectively were exposed to whatever you want to be exposed with, but never actually holding ETH for gas, never holding an OX address, or never technically even holding Thor. The network is just all doing that, abstracting that away for you. Yeah, that's super cool. It makes me just makes my mind start going to like all the things that could be like built around that just to simplify user experience. So it'll be really cool to see like everything right. that kind of pops up around that. Cool. Should we move on to Luvi? Yeah, so uh, we just put out an article this week on the Thorchain Medium. It's about uh, Luvi, which is 
Uh, well, I guess we'll go into that in a second, but it's about Luvi and how APR is calculated on Midgard on ThorChain. So Midgard is basically a middleware layer on ThorChain that supplies, uh, that supplies data that's derived from, uh, you know, Thornode data. So uh, that's where things like ThorSwap pull in uh, the, the price of Rune and the, and the price of every other asset, because uh, as, as people know, in, in ThorChain, Everything's denoted in in rune. There's no actual you know, U.S. dollar prices, but things like Midgard are used to calculate uh, you know the APYs of pools and also the the price of assets and uh, you know other like numerical things like that uh, that aren't just part of the regular uh, you know Thornode software. So there's an update to Midgard that updated the the way that APRs are calculated. Uh, on the on the endpoint there, so uh, check out the the pinned tweet on the top of this space, and it has a link to the Medium article about this, and it goes into what Luvi is. Luvi stands for uh, Liquidity Unit Value Index, and it's basically a uh, it, it's a it's a normalized number that uh, tracks the value of a liquidity unit over time, and by tracking the value of the of a one liquidity unit. Over time, you can use that to estimate the yield that a uh, LP experiences in the pool. So it's kind of a complicated concept. So definitely check out the uh, the article. And you know, if people have questions about Luby. It, it's a kind of difficult to wrap your head around, and especially how uh, synthetic assets affect Luby and therefore affect the the yield that uh, an LP experiences. So definitely check it out to understand better about. Luvi and how the APY on Thorchain is actually calculated. And you can use the Midgard endpoint to check what the APY would be basically using the last 30 days of data, the last 100 days of data, the last six months of data. Uh, so it's really useful to uh, look at that in terms of Luvi rather than just uh, the net profit to the to the pool itself. It's more useful for an individual LP here. Yeah, I just pinned the uh, a tweet to the thing here if you want to read the article and get more information it's up there. Well, yeah, I definitely think there's room to figure out how to simplify this to make it easily understandable. Um, shout out to LP University. I'm sure those guys are are working on some stuff uh, with that. Um, but yeah, I need I need to dive in deeper myself and really get my head around it. But I think the key thing is just like the goal with it is to make the the APRs displayed across any Thorchain ecosystem app just be more true and fair and like make more real sense to what's happening. So it, it it's all just to be really like transparent and more make sense in the end. So a good move towards towards that. Yeah, and something like this is kind of necessary with something like synths because synths do affect the the yields of the pools, because especially with the changing with the changing prices of Rune and the other asset in the pools. So th- those ratios affect Luvi, and that therefore affects the yields that an LPer uh, actually gets. So uh, yeah, if if you don't understand Luvi, it's really interesting. If you don't, then all you need to know is that Luvi is what's used to calculate the APRs of the pools in Thorchain. It took me like two weeks to understand that, like to really understand what, what Luvi is to like actually get this article out. So uh, if you don't understand it, that, that's all right. It's just what's, uh, it's just the new, the new way of things uh, to better understand how LPs get their, uh, get their yield. So moving on from that, uh, people can request to come up if they have questions. And uh, while people are requesting to come up, uh, 
I don't know if you want to talk about uh, single-sided yield or um, anything else that you want to uh, talk about, Chad, while people are requesting. Yeah. Um, I mean, single-sided yields, I think it's massive. Uh, I think it's going to be one of the holy grails we've been thinking about since the beginning of the project. And this is probably the, in my view, it's probably one of the biggest deals that we've done as a project. Um, so I'm super excited about it. But if anybody has any questions, welcome to come, come up and, and uh, haggle me here. Yeah, I'll ask about on it while we wait for requests. Um, just kind of like, what's the process going to be for like testing it? Like, is it going to have to go through a pretty long stage net testing? Or is it like a more safe upgrade that might be shorter to push through? Like, what can we kind of expect just as far as the rollout? Um, good question. Testing, um, we'll have to test it on stage net for a period of time, make sure it all like runs and works well. Um, we'll have to implement a lot of like really strong uh, unit tests, uh, plentiful unit tests to make sure everything functions correctly. Um, and then make sure that the behaviorally it, it behaves the way that it should in terms of like the reserve adding and withdrawing um, room to the pools when it, when it deems it needs to be done. Um, I'm not sure. We haven't actually talked about as, as a team yet, like about the idea of like, if we're going to put a cap on this or not, like, like we've done in the past of like on this particular feature, like only allow so much BDC or so much percentage of the, of the depth of the pools be single sided just to kind of like start small and, and, and make sure everything works right. And then, uh, scale it up over time or, or what. So um, we haven't actually had that conversation yet, actually, from the thing of it. Probably should. But um, it, it, should, it should move relatively faster than what we're used to because the, what we're testing here is not so much the chains, but we're testing here is business logic. And business logic is much simpler and easier to, like, uh, to test for than like, integrating with a new chain. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I was thinking about caps as well. I mean, it, it seems like a good idea, I, I would think, just to make everyone feel safer if nothing more so uh yeah cool yeah so yeah. if you don't mind while while uh, there's no one requesting here here you mind if i run through the uh the proposal for this single side yield thing and you correct me if there's any mistakes here just to test my own understanding sure. of it yeah so so this is so yeah just feel free to cut in if i make any mistakes here so uh with this single-sided yield feature you can mint a synthetic asset i think i think probably starting with just BTC and ETH maybe, and then maybe expanding to other chains in the future. Uh, I think the, the intention right now is that like, it'll, it'll support just the gas assets, like the primary asset per chain. Got it. So, so primary assets per chain, you can mint a synthetic asset and lock it into a, into a pool and receive up to 50% of the yields that a, uh, a regular LP would experience. So, so there's some other incentive pendulum that, would swing from you know zero to to fifty percent, so fifty percent of the regular LP yield being the max. And in order, and obviously synthetic assets are capped on the network to a percentage of the total depth of a liquidity pool. So uh, there would be some kind of target uh, synthetic asset utilization rate. Uh, like right now, that the cap is fifteen percent. So say we set that cap to ten percent. If the uh, if the synthetic asset utilization goes over ten percent, then the reserve starts putting in rune into that into that pool to increase the depth, and it does that until the target synthetic asset utilization is met. And it also takes assets out of the pools if that uh, synthetic asset utilization is uh, is under. So the the reserve basically enters and exits the pools dynamically to maintain a certain synthetic asset utilization. So it's basically putting the reserve in to take some of the risk off of uh, 
you know, regular LPs for the, the single-sided asset depositors. Yep. And that, that's supposed to make it so that like, so that if you want to acquire more sense, you can, you can always do so because of the synth caps at 15% and the network reserve is just pushing everything basically towards 10%. And so like, as soon as somebody adds more sense, the network comes in a lot more sense to be added, blah, blah, blah. And so like that always gives space for people to kind of come in, assuming that the pools themselves are not like hundred percent full and hit the hard caps. Great. I, yeah, I, I was trying to make sure that I understand it completely. No, that, that's it in a nutshell. I mean, it's quite simple uh, in many respects. Um, I mean, the, the feature itself actually it isn't all that difficult to build from an engineering perspective, to be honest with you. It's just uh, this reworks and rewiring to do in some sense. But uh, a lot of the code that we're using for this purpose is we're just reusing code that already exists, right? Using the uh, add liquidity, withdraw liquidity code they already have just to, instead of adding liquidity to a pool, you're adding liquidity to a vault, which is the same thing. Except one has two assets and, and the other one has one asset, and so the the math is a bit different, but the logic is the same. Sweet. Are, are there any questions from the audience? People can hit the uh, the button in the bottom left to request to come up, ask anything about single sided deal, dex aggregation, Adam, uh, Avax, somebody bringing up Joseph connecting. Oh, there. Oh, thank you. Thanks for bringing me up. Um, I kind of just jumped just jumped on this. Um, I, I was wondering about the impermanent loss protection. Um, if, if I put in a, a certain amount of Bitcoin and um, after those 100 days, um, will I be able to pull out the same amount of uh, Bitcoin um, if, if uh, Rune uh, drops a lot? So if you add, if you add only Bitcoin? Yeah. So if you add only Bitcoin, um, think of it like swapping half of that Bitcoin for Rune. And then that 50-50 start point is your snapshot for protection. So let's say you put in one Bitcoin. That's really like putting in half a Bitcoin and 10,000 rune or whatever it is. Um, so then you basically after 100 days, the value that you're protected against is 0.5 BTC and 10,000 rune. Okay. So what you would be withdrawing minimum would be equivalent value to whatever today's value is of 0.5 BTC and 10,000 rune, but it could be a different ratio of the two assets just due to the rebalancing, but it would be equivalent to having held from that 50-50 start point, um, worst case. So, that, so that's what your protection is. Um, does that make sense? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I'm, I'm, I'm just still a little confused by, because um, as soon as you put in the single asset of Bitcoin, um, it swaps automatically so basically, you have the same dollar amount uh, as you would um, in the beginning of just putting in that that one Bitcoin. So so now uh, uh, Bitcoin goes down, room goes down, maybe a little bit more, but you still started with the same dollar amount um, of Bitcoin. So when you when you go to pull out the the single asset of Bitcoin, I, I don't understand why it wouldn't be uh, the same. Oh, because you're because you're actually starting with the the half of the in rune. Okay. Yeah, the the whole like single sided feature that we've been uh, kind of chatting a little about the single sided yield is like specifically for this case that you're actually kind of asking about. Of like in that case, there's no IL right, and there's no there's no need for IL ILP right because there's just like there's only you're only exposed to a single asset, and so you put in one Bitcoin today. And you come back, you know, six months later, and you know, Rune's gone down in value relative to Bitcoin for some reason. Um, you know, you will still have your one BDC plus whatever yield you generated in that time okay. time frame. 
And so like, I think that's kind of that feature is like this feature is like geared towards a person like yourself of what you're kind of like that the mindset of where you're kind of going down because it becomes so simple for your, to, for people to understand right. this, this feature is because there's no two assets. There's no IL, there's no like complicated math and ILP, blah, 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 all these things. Like all that basically goes away and you're just like, Oh, I put in one BDC and I come back and I get more yield and you know, ruins price doesn't really matter all that so much, so that much to me. Technically, it does mathematically because if room prices come down, they, that will affect your yield, but not your principal. Okay, okay, yeah. I guess when I when I looked at, I think I I think I started with putting in like 0.005 uh, Bitcoin, and uh, um, you know now I see I'm able to withdraw you know 0.003 you know three nine whatever it is, and then I see in permanent loss protection, it's been like 96 or 97 days, and it doesn't quite get me to where the amount that I put in. And I don't know if it just needs those extra few days to kind of get, get back there. Um, uh, am I understanding that correctly? So just to clarify one thing real, real quick first for anyone in here that might be like brand new, the, the single sided LP stuff we were talking about a bit ago is like a future feature where you would only be exposed to this, to the single oh, asset. Okay. The, the single-sided LPing that you're seeing for the past year and today is not that. So the only thing that exists today is 50-50 LPing. Mm-hmm. And the single-sided adding, I, I like to just describe it as a convenience step, mm-hmm. basically. It's like you, you, can, you can enter from just Bitcoin. You can enter from just Rune. But you're really entering the Bitcoin Rune pool no matter what. So however you however you add in, the the math really ends up the same. It's just whether you whether you acquired those liquidity units from Bitcoin and Rune, Bitcoin or Rune. Um, but you're you're all kind of in the same place no matter what. So so what you're describing, like if you like yes, if you add just Bitcoin right now and Rune and Rune goes down more than Bitcoin then you can definitely end up with less Bitcoin uh, because mm. what you're being protected against is that, that 50-50 start point. Mm. Another tip is um, if you, if you kind of like, do you, have you used Thor Yield to track your position? Yeah. So there's, there should be a toggle where you can view an asymmetrical LP as a symmetrical. And I feel like that's a really good feature because then you can, then like what we were just talking about will make more sense because you can see it as if you added symmetrically. And then basically from that view, if your LP versus HODL is negative, that's your impermanent loss protection. Okay. Um, and that, and that's what's going up 1% per day until, until a hundred days. So if you're, you know, if you're 99 days in and your LP versus HODL is down, um, a thousand dollars or whatever, then that's like, then at, at 100 days, you're going to be protected that. I mean, I'm saying it in yeah, dollar terms, yeah, obviously, sure, it's in like sure. coin terms, but but that that's what your protection actually is. Okay. Okay. All right, cool. Yeah, I guess I'll, uh, yeah, part of it was, uh, you know, just trying to experience this and to understand it. And uh, I'll, I'll see how things work out. I think that'll, I'll, I'll get a better understanding of that. Uh, I guess from the beginning, I just thought like, oh, okay, you know, I'll take this much Bitcoin, I'll put it in. I'll, I'll, uh, I know it swaps for half a room, but I'll be able to pull that out no matter what because of the impermanent loss protection. But it sounds like because of that initial swap, uh, I, I don't quite, I might not quite get the same uh, because of the, the large drop in, in room, uh, room uh, you know, 100 days ago, from 100 days ago. 
Yep, that's right. The protection is yeah. as if you added um, symmetrically. Another good way to play with it is there's also an LP calculator. There's one in LP University. There's one on Thor Yield where you can like you can speculate on like price movements and APYs and things like that, mm-hmm. and then put in like the time frame, and then you can see like oh, would this be would this be positive? Would this be negative? Would I need protection? Like um, so, you can kind of like strategize your LP before it uh, using that. Cool. Hey, thanks for the time. I appreciate it. Thanks, man. I also pinned up a tweet from LPU. You can join their server. They have a really good, uh, you know, they have really good tutorials and explanations and uh, teachers and stuff. A lot lot of them are here in this space. So uh, if you want to learn more about LPing on ThorChain, definitely join their Discord server and read some of their tutorials. And uh, we also have a season up here. Just uh, we'll keep it keep it quick. We're going to hop off in just a minute or, or two here. But hey, what's up, man? Yeah, uh, I guess this again has to do with uh, onboarding uh, new people to ThorChain and Web3 generally. Um, in, I think it was 2017, 2018, maybe, in Web3 conference, uh, Gavin and uh, Zaki and all the other uh, founders that before blockchain even launched, they were giving speak to the developers. Um, and, uh, you know, the, the young new developers or people that are just trying to get into blockchain back then, 2017, 2018, were raising uh, hands and they were asking directly questions to Gavin and Zaki on different um, sessions. Uh, how do we get involved? And their, both of their answers were kind of uh, politely, but still kind of uh, shutting, shutting them down, basically saying we're not looking for junior developers. We're, we're looking for senior developers. Um, and, I, and I know that um, ThorChain is known as like one of the most complex, um, many lines of code is hard to get into. Um, so like for people that are trying to participate and contribute, and as um, uh, Brad B said, it's really not uh, for certain people about money or even technology. It's really about the idea and vision of what Web3, the sovereignty of Web3 brings to every everybody. And that... Um, that simple notion of breaking from Web 2 to Web 3 has to permeate through general public. And we can't do that if we don't have a, a on-ramp entry points. And so when I see, um, I, 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 pardon me, like, on, on site, like personal uh, anecdote is in 25 years of my uh, business, I'm retired. In 25 years of doing design and building and from the architectural design build craft, I have found myself repeating myself as I went on and on every year at the same level. It's like being a professor and I was a professor and it's like you get older, techno- your knowledge and, and experience gets wise, uh, uh, deeper, but yet the people that you're talking to, teaching, educating are at the same level. And so there has to be a system where the, there's a the tier or tapering system of entry points for people to ramp up. And uh, my heart goes out to Chad B and other founders when I hear them repeating things over and over and over again. And I wish uh, 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 ThorChain had a venue uh, where... Uh, the, the entry people could be uh, kind of informed uh, in an in a easier way. Is there any other uh, venues or channels or what like a secret uh, network does with their uh, agents or what Osmosis does with their ministry of marketing? Does a ThorChain have anything um, that outside of uh, the trio of you guys on YouTube and um, uh, Twitter space? that uh, people at different levels of uh, uh, knowledge and expertise in Web3 could engage at different tiers? Uh, yeah, so like, so 
the Thorch the core team is very different than most other teams in the context of um, as the project gets bigger and more adopted and this kind of things, the intent is not to expand the team and get bigger as like, you know, Terra did that, for example. Um, the intent is to keep things small, tight, and, and, and eventually just like get rid of the original team and just have it other teams kind of come out of nowhere and, and start building the, on the community. We're, we're seeing that with, with a lot of different things. And so if you want to get involved in this ecosystem um, and the web three stuff, like you can either work a part of a new project within the, this, this particular ecosystem. Um, you can try to a, a, a apply for a job with possibly nine realms. If there's, if there's some sort of value add you can do there, That's which, which is what uh, familiar cow did. Um, or, but the core team itself will probably not be hiring anybody. We're, we're, we're trying to get rid of everybody rather than expand the team in a sense. Um, but yeah, start, start like also don't be afraid of like creating your own thing too. Like if you have an idea, something you could really do on web three space, that's really kind of interesting and innovative and whatever, like don't, don't feel, uh, you know, that you have to join somebody else. You can just start your own project and, and get other people to join you. Like, for example, uh, like we pointed out LPU, uh, just before, uh, that's a great example of a community that's, that's born out of the door chain space and continues to contribute great value to the ecosystem. And, uh, that, that's just all people who are passionate about, uh, this, this community and the ideals that are brought forth by, by Thorchain. And, uh, that's, a, there's 20,000 members in that uh, discord right now. Sorry, Chad, Chad had to hop, but we'll, uh, we'll hang on for a couple minutes until we finish everyone's questions here. But, uh, yeah, Chad, yeah. You some dead? yeah on that, you know, th there's a lot of examples, right? Like, like you mentioned LP university, there's, um, there's what there's rune base, there's, there's Thor noob. Um, you know, there's, there's other, and, and a lot of these, like you, you can even, potentially apply for for treasury funding from Thorchain if you're doing something that adds a lot of value to Thorchain. So I think a key thing is like, uh, and Chad was kind of saying this, is like Thorchain in the way it operates almost has more in common with like Bitcoin than it has in common with like, you know, like how Terra has been with like, you know, building the team and stuff like that. Like Thorchain is just a bunch of people and teams like working on this thing that exists and the goal is not for there to be like, like even how Chad B says, like he doesn't want to be seen as the leader, the founder, like the guy with the story and like, you know, be the, be the Vitalik, be the Do Kwan, uh, you know, like it, he clearly has no interest in stuff like that. Um, but people are just working on this stuff. And and I think another thing that's important to touch on is, is you were saying like, Oh, um, like, you know, Thorchain is very complicated. You need a lot of developer experience. Um, myself and uh, familiar cow who's speaking from the Thorchain account right now um, are both really good examples of getting involved and having it not being able to write a single line of code, right? Like neither of us are technical people. Neither of us really understand like the true ins and outs of what's happening on the protocol level. But what we do understand is what this can do for, for people and for users and the importance of it in the space. So we can, we can talk about it. We can write about it. We can make videos, tutorials. We do marketing. If you're a graphic designer, you could make infographics. Like all of these projects, um, need support in a thousand different ways beyond just coding. I mean, obviously the, the, the true builders and the coders are kind of like the rock stars of the space, but there's so much more that's needed. And I think everyone can kind of figure out like, what their previous skills uh, could do if applied to Web3 or applied to Thorchain. Like there, there's so many other value adds and so many places, so many things that are um, 
lacking. And, and I think that's like what you described is the same reason why myself and familiar cow like started doing all this. We started hosting spaces. Like I like familiar cow joined nine realms. I joined Thor swap, started making tutorials, education, because we see the, there is a lot of fragmentation because it is decentralized, but you know, everyone can just kind of like try their best to do, to do the stuff or even back to the website. It's like the website, it's not like the core team just like made an official website, right? It's more like the community just has to figure this stuff out as best as everyone can. So, yeah, I mean, from from my end, like I, I started out just making Thorchain sneakers as NFTs and then, uh, you know, selling those to the community. And then I started, you know, I started doing Twitter spaces with Chad Thoreau. And that's kind of evolved to this weekly update space with with Chad B on Fridays. So, I, I mean, yeah, we it's not like... Uh, we, we we organically just created this, this stuff and that's just how things are, are made in this community because everything is uh everything is just done by community members and things aren't done by by the core team or, or nine realms it's just done by people in the community so we we just happen to you know have the interest to you know build this build this thing and we, you know we have fun doing it so that's why that's why we do it. So any anyone can anyone can do this. Anyone could start hosting Twitter Spaces and, and invite us if you do because we'd love to show up and have a good time. <laughs> I just did. <laughs> Sweet man, uh, we have uh, Breton up here too. Hey. Yeah, guys, uh, everything y'all are talking about is really cool. So um, I saw the movie last night. It was really good. I thought I thought Christian Bale did a really good job. Um, I thought uh, you know the runtime wasn't an issue for me as far as. Uh, you know, how it played a part. I gave it an 8.5 out of 10. Um, I thought it wasn't as good as Thor Ragnarok, but, um, you know, I still really enjoyed it. I don't know why the internet is shitting on the movie. Um, the goats were fucking hilarious. I mean, just such a good time. Um, excited for more, but, um, yeah, man, I, I loved it. I, I loved, uh, I love Taka Takawadi. I think he's a great director. Um, again, Christian Bale, such a good uh, villain. I wish they would have shown more of him. And uh, yeah, just can't wait for the next one. Seriously, it's like a 69 on Rotten Tomatoes right now. Like, what the fuck is that? It should definitely be at least like a 79, 80. I don't know what critics are watching. I had an amazing time. Natalie Portman still got it going on. She's kind of banging still. Like you can kind of see the age on her like face and stuff. Like she's definitely not Padme anymore, but like she can kind of get it for a girl that's got cancer in this movie. Like, damn, I'd hit it. Even though she's in stage four, like let's go. So uh, yeah, that's my thoughts. If anybody else has got any thoughts on it, I'd love to hear. Yeah, man. Don't, don't spoil it. I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I'll I do like Christian Bale though. So you can't go wrong with that. He's great. He's great. Sweet. Thanks for coming up. All right. Yeah, we'll wrap up here. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. See you next Friday. See ya.